Oh God, we really do love You. We seek to love You with all our hearts and with all our minds and with all our bodies. We want to know that truth. We are brave enough to say that we will follow Your truth wherever it leads. But it must be clear. And so, Holy Father, over these next few moments, teach us through Holy Scripture. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Her dark cape is pulled low over her nervous and sweaty brow. Concealing eyes that warily study the three strangers crouched against her wall. If she accedes to their midnight request, she knows that she takes her life in her bony hands. But what is a witch to do but do what witches do? And so those long, narrow fingers reach out to the vials and bowls as she drags her instruments across the cold floor toward the dying embers of that orange light. And she begins. The low, moaning, groaning, secret incantations that will summon from the netherworld a visitor tonight. The three mantled strangers stare in wide-eyed silence. And suddenly... The witch screams. They freeze the three men. As out of the dark earth, there begins to emerge gray, silver white. An ethereal apparition of the form of an old man bent, himself cloaked, to hide his featureless face. She has called for him. He has come. And he brings a message of terrible terror to the mantle king. You must read that message carefully for yourself. But the question presses upon us. What shall we do with these words from beyond the grave? This is the only story in all of Holy Scripture where a spirit purports to bring from beyond that grave a momentary message before disappearing into the netherworld again. I need you to read this very carefully. It's the story of the witch of Endor. Open your Bible, please, to 1 Samuel 28. You didn't bring a Bible. You have got to track this story with me, please. 1 Samuel 28. Grab the pew Bible in front of you. Let me give you a page number 208. 1 Samuel 28. Pew Bible, pulpit Bible today. The same translation. The New King James Version. The story of the witch of Endor. 
We'll begin in verse 3. 1 Samuel 28, verse 3. That will be what appears on the screen. 1 Samuel 28, verse 3. And now Samuel had died. I've got to tell you, of all the Hebrew prophets, he was one of the most beloved. Now Samuel had died and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul, that would be the first king of Israel, still reigning, Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Do you know what a medium is? Do you know what a spiritist is? In just a few moments, I'm going to tell you about an Englishman named Benjamin Cream, and you will know what a medium is. Trust me. Verse 4, Then the Philistines, that would be the enemy of Israel, gathered together and they came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul, verse 5, saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him. God, you've got to help me. The Lord did not answer him. Not by dreams. Or by the Urim, that's the ephod worn by the high priest. Two stones, one stone here, the Urim, one stone here, the Thummim. Yes, no. Light over the Urim, yes. Shadow over the Thummim, no. No answer. The Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. And Saul said to his servants, find me a woman. Find me a woman who's a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Well, just as a matter of fact, Your Highness, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes because it's capital offense to be caught as a medium. He disguised himself and put on other clothes and he went. And the two men with him. And they came to the woman by night and he said, Please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. The woman said to him, Look, you know what Saul has done? How he's cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land? Then why do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? You want to kill me? And Saul swore to her, The mantle king, she doesn't know who he is, the mantle king swears to her, By the God who is not answering him. By the God who is not answering him. And so Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, All right. Whom shall I bring up from you for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. And in between those verses, the incantations and the moanings begin. And when the woman, verse 12, Saul Samuel, now here comes that scream, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, Don't be afraid. What did you see? Would you mark it clearly, ladies and gentlemen? Saul sees not a thing. He sees nothing. What are you looking at, woman? What are you seeing? Everything will be mediated through the woman to him. He sees nothing. What did you see? And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. Isn't that amazing? If you believe that when a good man dies, he goes straight to heaven, it should read, and I saw a spirit descending from heaven. Somebody's playing a trick here. 
She said, and I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. And so he said to her, what is its form? And she said, an old man is coming up and he's, he's covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived, he did not see, Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down to worship that spirit. My, oh my. And Samuel, now let, 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 me, let me have your eyes for a moment. And Samuel, you know what I mean by this, don't you? Quotation marks. And Samuel. And Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Should have said by bringing me down. And Saul answered, Oh, I am deeply distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me, and does not answer me anymore, neither by the prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I have called on you, that you may reveal to me, What should I do now, O prophet, whom I never listened to when you were here? Verse 16, then Samuel said, So, you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? Ladies and gentlemen, hit the pause button right there. I need you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we are now entering a bold-faced lie. Because that is not the truth about God. God never becomes your enemy. Even if you reject Him like King Saul did, even if you reject Him like Judas did, He will never become your enemy. In fact, I remind you, how did Jesus treat His betrayer after that wet kiss has been planted on His bearded cheek? What did Jesus call Judas? What did He call Judas? Friend. Friend. But the demon does not want you to ever know the truth about God. That He is not somebody to be afraid of. He is someone to be a friend of. And so He twists the truth. And it comes out, God is your enemy. Verse 16 again, Then Samuel said, So why do you ask me, seeing that the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done for Himself, the Spirit goes on, as He spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. Samuel really did say those words once upon a time. Because, verse 18, you did not obey the voice of the Lord nor execute His fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. Come on, Samuel. You're in heaven. Does that mean Saul's going to heaven who rejected God? Something, something's fishy here. This doesn't smell right. You'll be with me tomorrow. And the Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Gone. Immediately, verse 20, Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had not eaten, he had eaten no food all day or night. Drop down to the ending, verse 24. Now the woman, the witch, had a fatted calf in the house. And she hastened to kill it. And she took flour and kneaded it. And she baked unleavened bread from it. So she brought it before Saul and his servants and they ate. Then they rose and went away that night. Isn't it interesting that the story of Saul ends precisely the way the story of Judas does? And he went out and it was night. Because it is always night when you step away from the light and listen to the darkness. Always night. So here's the question. Can the dead commune with us? 
Now look. If you believe the serpent's hissing lie in the garden, that when you die, you do not die, then you have only one answer you can give. And the answer is yes, of course, the dead can commune with us. If, however, you believe the teaching of Jesus and Holy Scriptures, that when you die, you go to sleep to be awakened one day by a resurrection, then you know that the answer is no. No, the dead cannot commune with the human race. Then who is this Samuel who arises out of the earth to terrorize that desperate king? The answer is so critical, we have to write it down. Write it down right now. Pull out your study guide, please. Pull out that study guide out of your worship bulletin. We have got to write it down. You didn't get a study guide? Hold your hand up. Our friendly ushers will make sure that you have a study guide all the way up into the back of the balcony in the overflow. Everybody gets a study guide today. This is part three, the final piece of the trilogy entitled The Truth About Death. I want to say to those of you watching on television, we are glad you're here. You're, this piece, you need this piece. I want, to, I want to make sure you get the same study guide. Let me put, the, put it on your screen for you right now. Our website, www.pmchurch.tv. You're looking for a series entitled The Truth About Death. By the way, this website has been brand new constructed. It's brand new. Go back to that website. We are very grateful for a young adult designer named Matthew Hamill who has redesigned that website. You're looking for a series called The Truth About Death. You're looking for the final piece in this trilogy, and it's called the Midnight Blitz. When you see Midnight Blitz, you click on there. You'll have the study guide, the same study guide we have. And by the way, this, this little trilogy ends today. We're going to take a little two-week break. We'll do other things during these two weeks, and then we're coming back because you have got to know the truth about hell. You cannot separate them. There's another trilogy right behind this. Don't you miss it. Come to the same website. You'll get the same. You'll get everything there. All right? This is the final piece on death. Write it down in your study guide. Quoting 1 Timothy 4, verse 1 from the, today's New International Version. The, clear, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. I want you to get that crystal clear in your heart and brain right now. Spirits and demons, interchangeable. They are one and the same. Who are they? Keep writing. The Bible is clear. Spirits are demons, i.e., fallen angels loyal to Satan. Take a look sometime in Revelation 12, verse 9, when Satan, when Lucifer was expelled from heaven, the loyal angels to him, they've become the demons. They came to earth as well. That's who the demons are. They're all fallen angels. Who else would be lying to Saul about God and about death? It would have to be the deceiver and his hordes. Note carefully now, and I need you to scribble this down quick. Note carefully these four demonic realities that emerge out of the story of the witch of Endor. Jot these four down. Demonic reality number one, demons impersonate the dead. I'll give you an extra moment to spell that word correctly, impersonate. Demons impersonate the dead. Keep it on the screen for you. Because that wasn't Samuel. The Bible teaches at at death you simply cease to exist. It could not have been Samuel. His body turned to dust. The breath of life that he had went back to the God who gave it. The devil cannot resurrect anybody. Do you understand that the devil is just as dependent upon God as you and I are? For every breath Satan breathes, it's alone a gift from God. He is dependent on the life giver. 
can't raise anybody. So what he has to do, he has, he, he has to impersonate the deceased. Hey, guess what? You think about it, after a lifetime of observing my idiosyncratic speech and my quirky mannerisms, don't you suppose the demon that has been tracking me every day of my life pretty much has it down pat? Come on. Uh, Some time ago, there was a well-known theologian on this campus, and I I was in a room where some college students were imitating the theologian, and they had it down to a T. I mean, if a college kid can do it, How about somebody who's tracked you all your life? I really thought that was funny until one day I went into the seminary and there were three seminarians. They didn't see me coming in and they were imitating me. And you know what? It's not funny at all. It is not funny. You quit doing stuff like that. So anyway, don't you suppose the demons know how we behave? Trust me. All right. Seeing is not believing. Seeing is not believing. All right, that's uh, demonic reality number one from the story. Demonic reality number two, write it down. Demons lie. Oh, boy. In fact, let me put it on the screen for you. It's in your study guide. The words of Christ himself, John 8, 44. Two times ago, we looked at these words. When the devil lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Look at ladies and gentlemen. He lied to Eve. He lied to Saul. He is lying to you. Don't you ever sing the song, What a Friend We Have in Satan. You have no friend in him. Trust me. He is your mortal enemy. He hates you. And he lives for your destruction. He will lie to you through his teeth until he gets you or loses you. Whichever comes to pass. But he's even clever in his lying. Very clever. Jot this down. Demonic reality number three. Demons mix truth with their lies. Brilliant. The demon impersonating Samuel quoted the very words. The genuine Samuel once upon a time spoke to Saul when he had been alive. But the demon twisted the words in order to throttle the last vestige of hope that might have clung to that king's demented heart. Twist. Leading us to demonic reality number four. Demons transact business with the currency of fear. All the devil wants for you is for you to be afraid. And that's why the Bible declares he is a roaring lion. He has to work by intimidation. Paralysis is the way the lion roars to petrify his prey. The devil has to mask the truth of Calvary that at the cross, Jesus shattered the devil's dominion. He has to hide it. And so he intimidates you. I was out in Sacramento once doing a weekend series. started with Friday night. So I'm sitting at the front of the church. And uh, we're waiting for the service to begin. I turn around and I see a kid coming down the center aisle of that church, the Carmichael Church, where my sister and her husband are now pastoring. It was before their day. And this kid is coming down, and he has this black T-shirt on, and in huge red letters it says, Satan. And I'm thinking to myself, have I come to the right place? What's up with this? And he had had this smile on his face, and by by the time he gets up to me, he puts his hand out. So I said, well, I guess this is okay. And when I got close enough to shake his hand, I read that there were two more words uh, on that black T-shirt, also in red, tiny little words, is defeated. You know what, if you, ever just, if, you ever, if you ever decide to get a black t-shirt with those three words on it, here's how you do it. You put up here, Satan is defeated. 
That's the message of Calvary. Calvary was the shattering of the demonic dominion on this planet. The, battle, the war has already been won. The war has been won. Look at this. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they, the followers of Christ, overcame him, the dragon, that would be Lucifer, the fallen Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, code language for Calvary, and by the word of their testimony. And they did not cling to life, even in the face of death, as another translation puts it. There is the truth. Don't you ever let the devil intimidate you into believing he has a right to you. He has zero, nada, no right to you. Calvary has... Calvary's blood has been shed to claim you back. You belong to another king. Don't you ever follow that dark warlord. So who was this Samuel who brought a message to Saul? S-A-T-A-N. That's who. And guess what? He's got a message for you and me as well. In fact, the message is right here at the end of this uh, chapter. You've got to see this. Read the last two verses again. 1 Samuel 28, verse 24. Now the woman had a fatted calf in the house and she hastened to kill it. And she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread from it. And so she brought it before Saul and his servants and they ate. And then they arose and went away and it was night. You sound and say, hey, do I don't see any message there. Well, it isn't a direct message. It is a message cryptically tucked away in that line. Now the woman had a fatted calf. Do you know why people have fatted calves? Why do they fatten the calf? Why do they get it plump and juicy and thick? Because they are looking forward to the day of slaughter. There is a fatted calf in this story, only it's not the calf. It is the king who is being fattened for the day of slaughter just hours away now. Just like you and me and the human race today, we are being fattened. A generation being fattened by Satan and his demons for the impending day of slaughter. You say, I'm not getting fattened. Watch. I want, to, I want you to jot down a very partial. This is very partial. A very partial list of demonic deceptions today. Jot them down. Number one, the ghost whisperer. Write it down. The Ghost Whisperer is a television series starring Jennifer Love Hewitt as a young woman in touch with the dead. CBS has produced this program for entertainment. And I, so I, I decided I'm going to go to the website. I go to the website and guess what I discover? There is a real life, at the website, a real life, what they call Ghost Buster. She really is what we would call a spiritist or a medium. And she's there to answer fan mail, who, fans who have questions about what happens at death. So, with your permission, I'm going to put it on the screen. This is directly from CBS Television's website for the Ghost Whisperer. Let's go. My name is Marianne Winkowski, and I'm a consultant on the show Ghost Whisperer. And I am going to try to answer some questions for you that come in every week about ghosts or anything paranormal. This is from Denise in Chicago. One of my aunts passed away about two years ago, complications of surgery, leaving a three-year-old son. When this first happened, her son claimed that she was with us because he would say that he saw her every day and he would talk to her. Do you think this is possible? Absolutely this is possible. Now, I have no way of knowing from a letter if she is earthbound 
or if she has crossed over. Unfortunately, when people die and leave young children, that's one of the reasons why they do not go into the light. How did you get through it? I just knew he'd be with me wherever I went. And he is. Even when moms and dads that died do go into the light, believe me, they do not miss a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday. They are there for all of that. No doubt about it, Denise. She is definitely around visiting and staying with her son. Please keep your questions coming. I enjoy getting them, and we'll try to answer as many as we can. Ladies and gentlemen, I rest my case. In the name of American entertainment, there is a medium, a spiritist hired by CBS on the set as they produce the programs to tell us, oh, thank you, Marianne Winkowski, for telling us the truth about death. We knew you would. You will not surely die. Do you recognize the hiss of that garden serpent who is fattening a generation for the day of slaughter? Jot this one down. Medium. Boy, that's a dead giveaway, isn't it? NBC, not to be outdone by its competitor CBS, has its own form of demonic entertainment. It's called The Medium. Let me read to you the NBC promo of this hit series. Emmy Award winning, by the way. We're talking about the artsy world recognizing, oh, this is so good. From Emmy Award winning executive producer, creator, and director Glenn Gordon Karen comes Medium, a chilling drama series inspired by the real life story of research medium Alison Dubois. Emmy winner Patricia Arquette stars as a young wife and mother who has gradually come to grips with her extraordinary ability to talk to dead people. Do you watch this for entertainment? Do you? You say, Dwight, it's a big deal. It's just, it's just acting. Oh, really? Did Marianne Winkowski... <laughs> did she make you think this was just acting? Are they consulting the production even? And you watch it for entertainment because you have nothing better to do? Well, it's not going to affect me, Dwight. Listen, my friend, you cannot dispassionately imbibe and not be affected. Something is getting sown in your mind. If you're going to Hollywood for a Saturday night entertainment, it's a little bit of the occult and it's a little bit of demonism, and I know it's all fun and laughs, and you're going there to drink that drink from that well, my friend, do you get it? Fattened for the day of slaughter. So I'll, 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 I'll never get tricked. Oh, really? Play around with them long enough. You inadvertently end up on their side. You don't even know it. Write this down, number four. This is a very partial list, but would you jot these two words down? I'll leave them up so you can get the spelling correct. Marian apparitions. Marian apparitions. There are sincere Roman Catholic Christians. You get that? I'll wait just a moment. Marian apparitions. There are sincere Roman Catholic Christians who believe that Mary is now appearing across the earth to select devoted adherents. 
According to Johann Roten, the director of the International Marian Research Institute at the University of Dayton here in the United States, most claims of messages and visions are not investigated by the church. Their website records 386 cases of Marian apparitions, Mary showing up in the 20th century, the church having made no decision about 299 of them, and of the 87 investigated, only eight were deemed to have a supernatural character. Eight of these are genuine. That is Mary. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is part three. We've already had the first two parts. If what the Bible teaches about death is true, that when Mary died, she went to sleep and she's not in heaven, then who is this who is showing up across the planet in the name of Mary? Who is it? Let me just give you four. Here's number four. I call this credible source testimonies. Right in the word testimonies. <laughs> Isn't this amazing? Nothing turns the secular news media into believers faster than the death of one of their own stars. The whole nation was saddened in April. I believe it was April. When Tim Russert, the famed and celebrated host of Meet the Press, suddenly on a Friday afternoon, gone. Heart attack. Just gone. No warning. Dead. I was amazed at how NBC and the news world were suddenly awash in testimonies that, you know, I can feel Tim is looking down upon us now. He said, well, come on, Dwight. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think they're supposed to say? That's what the world believes. I understand that. But the very repetition of the serpent's lie over and over and over again conditions the hearer, whether a believer or an agnostic, into at least a subconscious tacit acceptance of the assertion as reality. Maybe it's true. You get enough of these in your brain. You watch it enough times. Maybe. Pastor Rick Warren concluded his prayer at President Barack Obama's inauguration with the observation, I'm sure it was more to us than to God, that Martin Luther King Jr. was looking down upon this glorious moment with that great cloud of witnesses. Quoting Hebrews 12.1. Again, I understand Rick Warren's misunderstanding of the Bible truth about death leads him to pray the way he prays. But the point is that over and over and over again, there is a very unsubtle conditioning taking place in the human race, a fattening of the calf for the day of slaughter, if you please. Through the news media, through the Internet, through Hollywood, through television, through the arts, through music, through everything, everything, everything. You say, well, come on, Pastor, what's this day of slaughter thing you're talking about? Oh, let me let the Bible describe that moment for you. Go to one of the texts. Before we conclude, just go to the end of the Bible. Go to Revelation, the last book of your Bible. Take a look at this. Revelation 16. You want to see the day of slaughter? Here it is. It couldn't be any plainer than this. It couldn't be any clearer. In my book, anyway. Revelation chapter 16, just before the return of Christ. Something's going to happen on this planet. Revelation 16. Oh, by the way, that's page 831 in our Pew Bible. Revelation 16, verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouths of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Who's that, Dwight? Oh, those are three 
allied political religious powers that form a final coalition to stand down against Christ himself. It's the earth taken captive by Lucifer. Hmm. Who are these three unclean spirits? Verse 14, for they are spirits of demons performing signs. Look, the devil can perform any miracle except a resurrection and he can even fake a resurrection. He can do anything. They are the spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth. The highest, the most politically powerful people on earth will be under that strategy. They go forth to the kings of the earth. Oh, not just them. They go forth to the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Verse 15, Christ interjecting His Word. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. Blessed is she, lest she walk naked and they see her shame. I'm coming. Keep clothed. Look out! And then verse 16, And the demons gathered the human race together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. The human race fattened for the day of slaughter. In unequivocal language, the Bible declares that there will be a demonic blitz of unprecedented proportions across the entire planet at the midnight of earth's history just before the return of Christ. From the highest and most powerful in the governments of earth to the lowliest villager in the farthest corner of the planet. Oh, will be swept into the, into the deception. And by the way, at that moment, this is where this whole thing is going. At that moment, knowing the truth about death will mean the difference between life and death for you. Listen to me very carefully now. I want to explain that to you. When it comes to uh, God's reward of eternal life for His friends after death, I'm going to tell you something that I didn't say in the first two, but I'll just put it right out here now. The fact of the matter is, it really doesn't matter. You can say to me, Dwight, look, death is asleep, you know nothing, and then boom, resurrection, you go to heaven. Or if Socrates is right, the soul goes to heaven, right at death. Either way, just like that, you're in heaven. So what's the big deal? Ah, here is the huge deal. Write it down should be in italics in your study guide because this is it, the whole teaching here. The towering value of God's Bible truth about death is that it provides the only spiritual and intellectual safeguard protection. Safeguard. The only spiritual and intellectual safeguard from the demonic midnight blitz that will sweep the earth into Satan's final deception. That's it. Now, let's just just illustrate this, you and me together. All right, we'll take a cue from the witch of Endor. We can do this. So tonight, we're sound asleep. It's midnight. Okay, you and I are sound asleep. When all of a sudden, in the middle of our sleep, something is shaking us. Something is moving the bed. And And then we hear a voice, gentle and calm, calling our names. Dwight. Dwight. Or whatever your name is. You know how it is. Somebody wakes you up. You're kind of groggly. It's so dark. And then we look to the side of the bed. And in that ephemeral, shimmering light is a form. And in that instant, just before passing out, we grab the covers to throw them over our head. When the form speaks, no, 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 no. 
And when we hear the voice, we know it's my dead mother. That's my dead dad. That's my dead child. That's my dead wife. And we look again, and sure enough, in that glowing white, there are the features, the very form of one whose death has crushed our hearts. Shh. I'm sorry to startle you like this. Dwight, I'm okay. I'm in heaven. God loves you so much. He sent me to bring you a very urgent message. Listen carefully. One day, ladies and gentlemen, across the entire planet, the day of slaughter will come as a night of deception. Mark these words. And now think, 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 think. If you believe the serpent's lie that when you die, you don't die, you go to heaven, you have no choice. You have no choice but to believe that that apparition is precisely who it says it is. You have to believe it. You have to. I mean, how, how could it be possible for you to challenge the veracity of one who speaks and thinks and has secret code languages? And love words that only the deceased knew. You and the deceased. How could you possibly challenge the veracity of what you are seeing in front of your eyes if you believe that when you die, boom, you go to heaven? Mommy, Mommy, Daddy, Daddy, Jesus sent me. I'm here. He loves you so much. I'm okay. He wants you to know that it's important that you believe. And then fill in the blank. Anything Satan wishes to deceive the planet over, you just fill in the blank. And by the millions and billions, people will believe. It's got to be. It's got to be. I repeat, the towering value of God's Bible truth about death is that it provides the only spiritual and intellectual safeguard from the midnight blitz of the demons of hell for the day of slaughter. That's why this teaching is so critical. You can quibble with me all you wish, but now you know the difference between truth and error will be eventually the difference between life and death. It really will come down to the midnight blitz. Because if you know the truth, come on. If you know the truth, what's your mind going to tell you? I know what your eyes are telling you. That's got to be her. I was with a, a heartbroken young husband who's a, who's a widower now, just a few weeks ago. He grieves for her so deeply. You will have to choose between what you see and what you know. And it will be all up here. The battle will be won or lost right here. It has to be a demon. That will be the hardest thing you could ever say in your life. It has to be a demon. It can't be. The Bible says. Hey, by the way, if... The demons 
of hell will impersonate the dead as with the witch of Endor. Do you suppose, I've got to ask you this, do you suppose the prince of darkness himself might attempt the ultimate impersonation? And I wonder who that would be. Whom would he impersonate for the day of slaughter? Two verses make my case. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, put it on the screen please. Verse 14. Now if your study guide says 4, you just add a 1 in front of it. Alright, First, Second Corinthians rather, 11.14. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Alright, put that text, couple it with Jesus' own words, Matthew 24, 24. For false Christs, at the end of time, will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Do you know who the elect are? They're God's friends. This test will be so will be cut so razor sharp close that even his friends. What is that? Even his friends. Don't you suppose that Lucifer has it up his nefarious sleeve one day to impersonate Jesus Christ himself? Hmm? Come on. Have you ever heard of Benjamin Cream? Here we go now. Benjamin Cream, an Englishman. I want to tell you about him. This is now CBS again. MarketWatch.com. Just last month, a press release. Now, MarketWatch.com is not NationalEnquirer.org. This is, this is the huge economic engine of the CBS uh, uh, web services. MarketWatch.com. I want to read this for you. Last month. Dateline Los Angeles. Look now. Oh, by the way, it begins. I'm going to share this with you. For years, the world has been filled with miracles of all kinds. Miracles. In April 1995, Time Magazine devoted an eight-page spread to its cover story on miracles and concluded, listen to this, people are hungry for signs. Boy, that's the biggest no-brainer on earth, isn't it? Everybody's just hungry. Give me a sign. We've become so visual. Everything now we have to see. Screen, 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 screen. We are now visual. So if it's on the screen or in front of us, we go for it. People are hungry for science. Listen to this. Look now for the biggest miracle of all in the very near future. A large bright star will appear in the sky, visible to all throughout the world, night and day. You can Google this for yourself. Watch this now. Unbelievable? Question mark. Fantasy? Question mark. No. A simple fact. Around a week later, after that sign in the sky appears... Maitreya, I'm going to spell it out for you, M-A-I-T-R-E-Y-A, it's all over, you just go check it out. Maitreya, the world teacher for all humanity, will begin his open emergence and though not yet using the name Maitreya, will be interviewed on a major U.S. television program, maybe CBS. For over 30 years, here it goes now, I'll put his picture on the screen for you. For over 30 years, artist, author, and lecturer Benjamin Cream has been preparing the way for the emergence of Maitreya and his group. This is a group now, they appear as a group, the Masters of Wisdom. You go to Benjamin Cream's website, C-R-E-M-E, you go to his website, he tells you, I am a medium, I am a channel for Maitreya. The messages are coming through Benjamin Cream, who's spending his life getting the world ready. Now watch this. Awaited by all faiths under different names, Maitreya is the Christ to Christians. The Imam Mahdi to Muslims, Krishna to Hindus, the Messiah to Jews, and Maitreya Buddha to Buddhists, and probably Mary to Roman Catholics. 
He is the world teacher for all, religious or not, an educator in the broadest sense. Final line. With Maitreya and his group working openly, eventually, in the world, humanity is assured not only of survival, but of the creation of a brilliant new civilization. End quote. Come on. <laughs> Please. Just another hoax? Perhaps. But a hoax the world will be hungry for when the planet is plunged into a massive global crisis. People are wide open then. Note these words in the apocalyptic classic, Great Controversy. You have it in your study guide. Let me read it in your hearing. As the crowning act in the great drama of deception, Satan himself will personate Christ in different parts of the earth. Satan will manifest himself among men and women as a majestic being of dazzling brightness, resembling the description of the Son of God given by John in the Revelation. Remember, we have to impersonate. We need it. We need something to see first, and then we'll be like it. See? Keep reading. The glory that surrounds Satan as the impersonated Christ is unsurpassed by anything mortal eyes have yet beheld. The shout of triumph rings out upon the air. Christ has come. Christ has come. The people prostrate themselves in adoration before Him while He lifts up His hands and pronounces a blessing upon them as Christ blessed His disciples when He was upon the earth. End quote. The next paragraph calls this the strong, almost overmastering delusion. Ladies and gentlemen, I need to ask you in closing two questions. Shall we believe our senses or shall we trust his scriptures? You can't have both. Will we believe what we see or will we believe what he said? The choice will be that stark and the stakes eternal. In fact, great controversy. Jot this down. Last one there. Only those who have been diligent students of the Scriptures and who have received the love of truth will be shielded from the powerful delusion that takes the world captive. Would we in such a crisis cling to the Bible and the Bible only? Ladies and gentlemen, I need to, with all the earnestness I can muster, Make this appeal to you right now. Right now. Right now. I need to appeal to you. To be just like Jesus. By the way, do you understand that Christ Himself faced a midnight blitz of demons on the burning sands of that wilderness after 40 days of fasting? Do you realize an angel of light showed up pretending to be from heaven? And when Christ defeated Satan on his own ground, what was the weapon of Jesus? What was his weapon of choice? It is written, man and woman shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The Bible and the Bible only. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. This is it. The test will be that close. What I see or what he says. Look, if you ever take a final exam, you've done it a thousand times. You know you can't wait till the night before. You can't wait till the night before to pass this thing. 
You have had to be investing in advance of the big final examination, investing your time, or you will fail the final. You will fail the final. It will be so strong that your eyes will blitz your mind. And it's over. Calf slaughtered. I submit to you that this book is your only hope in Christ Jesus. You got time. You got time. Use the time to read from this book, to meditate from it. Seven days a week, eat the book. It'll protect you. It'll be Jesus doing it. But He has to have something on the hard drive to access in that moment of crisis. Quick! And then the Word comes. If you have not read this book, you're dead meat. You're a fatted calf and dead meat on the day of slaughter. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to urge you. Take the book again. So here's the deal. Would you be willing today to tell Jesus? Let's do it in each other's presence. Just tell Jesus, Jesus, by Your grace. I know You beat the devil. Hallelujah. By Your grace, I want to consume this book. I want this book to be hid in my heart so that on the day of battle, I'll stand with You. I'll stand with You, Jesus. You want to send that prayer to heaven right now? Stand to your feet. And in standing to your feet, you say, Jesus, I take this Word. I take Your Word. The Bible and the Bible only. The Bible and the Bible only. The Bible and the Bible only. Let's pray. Oh God, the Bible and the Bible only. Our Master Himself, the King that we worship, That was His only, His only strategy before that angel of light, that deceiver who was out to destroy Him. It is written. Holy Father, there are many opinions circulating on this planet. For the last three Sabbaths, we've gone to Your Word. Your Word is truth. Please, O God, Let us cling to this book. And may every man, woman, and child here, every man, woman, and child listening now, may together in Christ we stand firm for the Savior on that day of slaughter when He shall return. Let all the people say, Amen and Amen.